Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Those who are attempting to follow Christ on a daily basis, I began to realize how much that prayer mattered to me. And it mattered in this way, that if I'm really to be one who's trying to follow Christ, I'm one who's trying to live out the kingdom whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I'm actually trying to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's a huge adjustment in lifestyle and attitude switch that I think so many of us, even if those have been trying to walk with God for a while, you just forget and you just end up in your earthly mode. I often talk about that with my kids. Hey, you playing kingdom right now or are you playing earth? Because when I hear that phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'm reminded, oh, I'm supposed to be ushering in the kingdom. And that's what this whole series is about. Monday through Saturday, how do we do that? Wherever you are, whether your work is, hey, you're retired, but you end up in these places and settings, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, whether you're have a nine-to-five job or a 60-hour-a-week task that you do, whether you're a student, that's the work God has put before you. And the question is, what's your mindset and approach to that? And that's why we've been focusing on Made for Mondays. Not to guilt people, but just to give perspective on it. And today, as we shift into another layer of this, it's about grace today. And so look at this question on the screen and ponder if you think it's true. The question is, can the kingdom concept, this concept of grace, which is getting what you don't deserve, really exist in a workplace? Can it really exist in a work environment? I began my uh, work life as a sales rep, and I was a sales rep for two different organizations for the first five years before I transitioned uh, to actually be a sales rep for Jesus. And, um, And the reality was, is that I hated when the first of the month would come. Because if I'd been the top sales guy for that previous month, I was just another sales guy. And I'd be treated a little differently. Uh, My name would be thrown around some. I'd get these accolades. But there was no grace come the first of the month. I was just another guy go, hey, Ren, get out there and sell something this month. I want you to think about any environment you're in. What's the level of grace that's there? Is it you can get things you don't deserve, or is it all just based on merit? And do you realize that you can bring grace to any setting at any time and have immense impact, whether it's in grand ways or subtle ways? Here of this next example. There's a guy named Dan Price, and Dan Price owns a company called uh, Gravity Payments, and he's the CEO. And the reality is this. In 2015, he decided to drop grace into a workplace. He said, the minimum salary here will be 70K. I don't care what you do. You get 70K when you start here at these positions. That's the lowest you will be paid here. Not a bad deal. Actually, not that good of a deal in the Bay Area, right? Based on the cost of living. But better than 35K, right? Better than 50K. I'll take 70 if you're going to give me 70. And the reality is this. When he dropped Grayson, 
What do you think it did to the culture of the company? <laughs> Caused chaos. Here's what happened. His top two VPs said to him, I'm out of here. You're crazy. Like, if you're going to bring the bottom up, you got to raise the top then. If you don't raise the top, that's unfair. His top two VPs, senior VPs, left. Then his brother, who was the co-founder, sued him over a gracious concept. Grace is controversial. And I want you to wrestle with the tension today. How much do you like grace? And how much do you like when it's given to another? Those are two very different concepts. Let's read a text right now about grace in the workplace. It's a deep well. On the surface, it looks like grace in the workplace. It's actually about heaven. Would you open up your Bibles to Matthew 20? Somebody shout out in the Pew Bible what page it's on once you get there. Otherwise, open up on your phone, open up your own Bible. In the Pew Bibles, anybody got it? Matthew 20. 987 in the Pew Bible. Talk about grace. I showed up here 25 years ago, uh, actually longer than that, 1991. I would sit over here. I didn't know how to handle a Bible, and they weren't nice, they weren't gracious enough to yell out numbers. But there was this one woman who sat next to me, and she knew I was Bible illiterate, and she would open up the Bible and hand it to me. We need that kind of grace. So if you're new to it, 980 what? Seven. Hear these words, verses 1 to 16. You can follow along on the screen also. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still other workers standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day, here all day long, doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five, the last ones in the afternoon came, and each received a what? A denarius. So when those who came, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Can you see how this is being set up? But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, am I not being unfair to you, friend? I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Key word of the day because I am generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. What do you like about that text? What don't you like about that text? Come on, speak to me. What do you like about that text? What don't you like about that text? You like the grace. Last got something. Somebody else, what tension does it cause in you? 
What do you like about it? It's not fair. Let's call it what it is. It's not fair. I actually had somebody say in the earlier gathering, I like that it's not fair because I don't want to have to be treated always in fairness because that might not work out for me. Somebody else, what's stirring you? Just a thought, idea, what you like, what you don't like? Yeah. Yeah, so you like the grace of it, the focus on that, than the other focus. Yeah. If you look at the summary of it, it's it's pretty simple scenario. You have a landowner, you have workers, you have a foreman. You're in a vineyard, and there's also this marketplace. There's five shifts. There's a 6 a.m. shift, a 9 a.m. shift, there's a noon shift, there's a 3 p.m. and a 5 p.m., but there's only one payment. There's only one payment. My daughter, who's in her early 20s now, even as a nine-year-old, said, this is wrong, Dad. And for some of us who really, and you'll see a little bit later, about justice, this is wrong. This is wrong. But Jesus is wanting that tension to be felt because he wants us to understand the immenseness of his grace. Look at the big idea for today. God's distribution of grace seems so unfair, doesn't it? And it is. God's distribution of grace seems so unfair in our lives, and it is. Let's ponder the word grace, because I only knew grace growing up is the prayer we said before dinner. Anybody else relate to me? We would say, hey, let's say grace. I didn't know there was other meaning to it. And so when I stumbled into this, it became my favorite word of all time. I don't know if you have a favorite word of all time, but it is my favorite word of all time because of how life-changing it is if we ourselves receive it and we dispense it. So here's what I want you to do right now. Put some grace in your hands. Put your hand out. It's only five letters. Kids, join me. G-R-A-C-E, grace. All right, I'll even let you have two hands fulls of grace. It's that good and that abundant, G-R-A-C-E. And the question really is, how much of this have you really received from God? Oh, I could take you there. You want me to tell you about stories of grace? I could spend the next hour, but you don't need to hear that because many of you have your own. But some of you don't feel that way. And because you haven't thought it through or understood it enough, you're standing like the worker who worked the whole day or the brother of the prodigal son. Because when the prodigal came home and the dad threw him a huge party and gave him the biggest robe, the brother stood there and was wrestling with grace. It's human. It's natural. The reality is, if you think about grace, this is how I describe it, getting what you don't deserve. Sign me up for some of that, okay? You know what, getting what you don't deserve is this? It's my favorite gift. I, want, I love when I get these small envelopes sometimes. Sometimes in the mail, sometimes they'll be given to me. This doesn't happen that much. It'd be awesome to have more. And you know what I love about these small envelopes? They often have big checks in them. That is my love language, actually. Small envelopes, big checks. 
It's my favorite thing. And because and I don't deserve that. And you think how, whole, how much we hold on the money. When somebody drops money on me, I go, wow, that took a lot of release. And I receive that so undeservingly. Wow. It's also unmerited favor where you just don't earn it. We give out merit increases in the church. Gary reviews me, and if I do so well, I have potential to receive a merit increase. I don't know if we've ever given out uh, an unmerited increase because that's the culture. We're all under that. This is debt forgiven. Anybody ever had a financial debt that was just released off them? Raise your hand if you're bold enough to admit that. That feels good. That's grace just dropped on you. How about you've done something wrong and it's not held against you? That's debt. That's a debt. But that's a different type of debt. I love the idea of just kindness for no good reason. But I find this is hard in the workplace because the workplace is about what? Goals. It's about getting things accomplished. Is there really room for grace? I think it's best found maybe in the human level. I guess we could raise everybody's salaries or your boss could do that, but on a human level. But let's ponder this. Why do we struggle so much with grace? Why is this, uh, we get locked up? Look at our worldview that we live under. We live under a worldview where you must what? Earn it. You must earn it. We also are wired for justice where we don't like grace because it seems what? Unfair. Unfair. And emotionally, as the text tells us, when there's too much grace dispensed upon someone else, we start to compare, and what comes in? Envy. That was the key word in there, envy. Bottom line, look at this line. Tell me if you agree. We all want grace, but we don't like it when others receive it, especially when they seem what? Undeserving. Sometimes this is in ways at work or just ways in life. Sometimes it is true. It's a biblical concept. The unrighteous what? Prosper. The unrighteous. The lazy is what? Rewarded. Oh, that drives some of you crazy. And then there's other times. For example, I had this opportunity recently to go see Hamilton. Anybody gone to see Hamilton? It's kind of a big deal. People like to go see Hamilton. And um, the reality is we got to go see Hamilton for $20. Now, you who paid more are now mad already <laughs> that I got graced because I suffered $20. You all can go see Hamilton for $10 a ticket like my wife and I did, which equaled only 20 Because if you open up your phone, and don't do this now, uh, and you get the Hamilton app, you can every day play the Hamilton lottery. And if you play the Hamilton lottery, you just might be picked to receive a ticket for $10 in a really decent seat and go see Hamilton. And so lo and behold, three weeks ago, my wife got graced. Her, she won the lottery that day. And that was on a Wednesday. And then by Friday, we went to see Hamilton. The irony is this, you won't like this even more. Our family got graced even more. On Monday, my daughter won. <laughs> so my daughter went and saw Hamilton on Wednesday. 
We won Wednesday night and we went Thursday. Some of you who paid for tickets are really mad at me right now. And so it was interesting. I was kind of excited to go, and I knew that Gary was going to be actually at Hamilton on the same night I was there. And so I decided to surprise him. So my wife and I went to a Greek restaurant, just right, really, kind of this divey place that was awesome, right near uh, the Orpheum Theater. And I texted Gary to kind of set up the night. And I said, hey, bro, is this the night you're going to see Hamilton? And he sends me this great screenshot of he and his wife and his girls going into Hamilton like, woohoo, you know. And, uh, and I went, man, have a good time. I was just thinking of you. So a half hour later, I walk into the theater and I say to Miss, where's Gary? Let's find him. So I walk down and lo and behold, I'm sitting over here and I look right down this row in that other section, there's Gary in all his Garyness, just sitting right there. <laughs> So I decide, oh, I'm going to super surprise Gary. I say, honey, I'm going to go over, accidentally trip and fall into his lap. So I accidentally tripped, fell in his lap, and the girl screamed out loud. And we're like, whoa, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how'd you get here? Blah, blah, blah. You didn't tell me you're coming. I said, oh, we won the lottery. And he's like, really? <laughs> so how much were your tickets? Granted, we're on the floor. We have good seats. He had seats a little bit better. And he says, uh, he asked me, how much you pay for those tickets? I said, uh, uh, 10 bucks. <laughs> and he looks at me like this. And he goes, no. I go, yeah, well, 20, because, you know, each one was 10. <laughs> and then he looks at me straight in the eye and he says this, God must love you more than me. <laughs> the best part, there were two seats still open behind him the whole night. After intermission, I went and sat behind him for a little bit, and my wife wouldn't come over, so I had to go back and sit in our seats. Can you relate to that? Because here's what was interesting. I stopped telling that story to people because I would come across Hamilton people that were flat out mad. They couldn't handle the story. And I realized it almost felt like I was boasting, and I just was like, okay, I'll just, I had fun with Gary. I won't torture anybody else. That's what grace does. Oh, we love it when we receive it, but it is hard when others receive it that it's undeserving. The parable is telling this that. Ponder this question in the parable, for, about the parable. In the parable, who really experienced grace? Who did? Who would you say? What's that? Yeah, some would say that the folks who received grace were just those workers who came at 3, 5, noon. And it's hard for almost me to see the grace for the other people. But if you back up, and let's back up, if you back up and really look, the people who came at 6 needed work, didn't they? And they needed funding. And isn't it interesting, then in his graciousness, the landowner who represents God here went out and pursued and pursued and pursued and brought them in and then allowed them to have the same full experience of payment. This is an image, folks, of heaven. I know we're talking about grace in the workplace, but this is an image of heaven. Some of us show up pretty late to the game. But there's this opportunity through faith in Christ to experience eternity with God.
This is the man on the cross that, you know, was wanting to mock Jesus and then said, hey, can you save me a seat? And he's allowed in. I mean, this is me in my 20s coming to this realization that it's bigger than trying to retire by 40. It's bigger than making a name for myself. It's bigger than having all this shame for my sinfulness that I had participated in and couldn't forgive myself. There's this grace that I could get in on it. In many ways, here's what's so interesting. We're all late hires, (laughs) aren't we? Based on what we've done, based on how we don't feel so good about ourselves. And you can brush it off, but at some point you've got to deal with it. But you know what? Whether you've lived this righteous life, but we know no one can live it perfectly. Whether you showed up late, the grace is there. There really is nothing you can do to make God love you more. All right? And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. The cross speaks to that. He just loves you. What was interesting, I won't take you to the fullness of it, but I'll give you a glimpse right now. Prior to telling this parable in chapter 20, chapter 19 drips right into it, okay? So the chapters make it get a little screwed up. You think like 19 separate from 20. No, 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 no. Look at this passage on the screen. Matthew 19, 16. Just then, a rich young ruler came up to Jesus. Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? He's trying to figure out how to break into this eternal life heaven thing. But he's not wanting to do a lot. He's like, what little things can I do that I can get in on this? Can Can I do this? And then look, many passages later in the same chapter, Peter, who's done a ton, he says, I've given my whole life. We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us in heaven? He's expecting a payday. You got one guy wanting to slip in on the grace and the other one wanting to be abounding in the grace. And then you have Paul later on in Romans says this, and he really shows us what grace is. For the wages, think of that word wages right this story. The wages of our sin should equal death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word gift, you know what it is at the core? It's the same word for what? Grace. It's by grace that we have access to this abundance, whether we've thought of it and decided to follow at a young age or at the latter stage. The love of God is available. When that grace comes into our lives, it changes us. Just like if you take grace to a workplace, you drop it in, it has a ripple effect in so many ways. Whether you're at home working, whether you're out in the community, whether you're a student, it's amazing the impact. So as we close out today, here's what I want to know. Do you have a scarcity mentality or an abundance mentality when it comes to grace? Because only graced people grace people. And that's by understanding how much he loves us, willing to die for us, walk with us all of our earthly life and into eternity. So where are you with that? Do you full, do you, have you scooped into the endless bucket of grace or is it just sprinkles to you? You've got to wrestle through that. And then what do you do with that? Do you have a scarcity mentality in how you give it out? You only dispense little drops? 
Or are you flooding on people? That can be harder for some. What's interesting, over 400 people took a survey to begin this um, series, and one of the questions they were asked was the following. Look at the question on the screen. As a Christian, I believe it's important to mold the culture of my workplace. Look how many people agreed on that. 92% of the people said, I believe I should be bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth wherever I am. I think the greatest way we can do that is to bring grace to wherever we are. And here's some ways you can do it. Look at this. How could you actually bring more grace into your Mondays? We use this concept of bless, and I want to use it again here just to help you understand how to bring it in. What if you just prayed, God, help me be more gracious, or God, help me understand your grace, and God, who do you want me to bestow grace on as you begin your day? What if listening just became your MO to be gracious to somebody? When they tell a story, you don't tell a story back about you. You just listen, and you say, tell me more, and it's more about them. What if you just became the best listener wherever the setting is and people realize this person cares about me? That's a form of grace. What if you just started to pick people that you just wanted to have a meal with? Instead of you and your phone, you just began to go in whatever setting you're at, hey, why don't you and I go hang out? And you just hear their story and listen to them and share a meal. How about moms and dads? This is for me. When you're at home with your kids, you put your phone away. Instead of staying in the kitchen and eating my food, uh, like at lunchtime or something, sitting fully with my kids, no, no electronics, and just engaging in the graciousness of eating together. How about serving? Asking God to help you serve in grace, looking for ways that people can be served that you're around. Hey, can I help you with that? Can I support you in that? Following up with people. I have a friend who's a CTO at actually a big company, and I actually sometimes don't believe he's a CTO because as long as I've known him, he never talks about the CTO portion, CTO's chief technical officer. He never tells me what he's doing and the computer science of it and what they're coding and everything. I've never heard him talk about that. You know what he talks about? The relationships with the people. He talks about, I know where his boss is in his life and what problems he's doing. I know what some of his coworkers' problems are because that's the stuff this guy talks about. He's coming with grace to his big job. And I actually think he's a chaplain more than a CTO because he's postured himself in that way. When you ask him what he loves about his job, he says, the relationships with the people and getting to know them. And I'm going, you're a CTO. You're not even supposed to think like that. Does that make sense? But he's made this his approach to life. So I don't know where you are with this, but I will leave you with this last question, then we'll pray. If you bestowed more and more grace where you work, who and what would be impacted? So would you pick a person right now that you think in your whatever setting you are, student, at home, office, who is it you're feeling God wants you to bestow more grace to? It could actually be yourself so that you could be better at dispensing. But who could it be? Would you take a moment right now? Who could that be?
And as the band comes up, I want to give you an opportunity to confess, maybe you wrestle with grace, and actually receive the grace of God. So would you bow your heads and let's just pray. Father, we acknowledge how good your grace is. You sacrificed your son so we could have a relationship with you. Lord, for those who are new uh, to that concept, may they simply ask, Lord, come into my life more and my experience the grace that comes through the cross. May it be that simple. And for those of us who have been around it, Lord, may we confess how we've forgotten about the goodness of grace. So take a moment, confess that. And then ask that you would operate out of grace for yourself and others. Father, thanks for a perplexing parable that shows your love for us. Lord, drop the people right in front of us who you want us to grace, regardless of who we are and where we are. And in the end, God, may you give us the power and strength and may you get the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.